Chapter 27 The Lost Sheep My shins ached again. New blisters covered my feet again. Only my underarms didn't hurt. Rather than re-energizing my body, the week's rest had depleted it. I had believed that I could walk with the same intensity, if not greater, than before. But those first days of walking proved to me just how weakened I had become. As a result of the newspaper articles and television reports, I was stopped by even more well-wishers. Journalists sought me out, and I gave several roadside interviews. One journalist even gave me a candle to light for him in Jerusalem. The first night found me in Pirovac, and the following one back in the home of Fra Drago. My farewells with him and the nuns were emotional, and our tears spilled not merely for our separation, but for the promise of our return one day. I walked past Boraya and Trogir and pressed onwards towards Solin. A strong sun came out that day, and I, saw, I soon found myself sweating heavily. Not wanting to hinder my recovery, I decided to cool off under the shade of a grove of olive trees that sat invitingly just off the road. I chose a tree deep in the grove, away from the busy road, took my jacket off, dropped on the earth, and leaned my head against the gnarled trunk. I closed my eyes, enjoying the feel of the freshly plowed earth under my feet and the smell of spring that seemed to fill the air. A rustling sound startled me, and I turned to see a tall, elderly man walking towards me. He wore overalls that were slightly dirty and walked with a smile of recognition. I assumed that he knew who I was and returned his greeting. He knelt beside me and introduced himself in Italian as the owner of the orchard. He looked to be in his sixties with a sturdy, muscular build, which I imagine came from working the land. Inviting me to rest for as long as I wished, he took my stick and began to examine it. It is olive wood, he said approvingly, leaning it once again against the tree. Light and strong. It is very good for walking. I joked that it had seen me through many mountains and watched as he began examining my backpack. For the first time, I noticed that my sign was facing in. The man patted my backpack heartily. From his kneeling position, he lifted it slightly off the ground and put it back down again. It must be at least 15 kilograms, he said with admiration. He curled his arm and pointed to his bicep, saying, You must be very strong. I laughed. Without warning, he reached under my pant leg and caressed my calf. This must be very strong too, he said with a smile, giving my calf a squeeze. I didn't have time to react. He pulled his hand away and then brought it up to my breast and cupped it. This too, he said, starting to squeeze. I pushed his arm away and I stood in a mix of shock, anger, and fear. I realized in panic just how far back from the road I was and how secluded I was in this orchard that seemed to go on forever. He was much bigger and stronger than me, so if he were to attack me, I couldn't fight him off. The ground was plowed and muddy, so I couldn't race out of the road either. I took a deep breath and stared hard at him. Hoda chastiti, a pilgrim walking to Jerusalem, Zamir, I said, my voice hoarse and cracking. He stepped back, 
clearly surprised. Holding his hands up before his face, he apologized and quickly walked away until he disappeared among the trees. I was breathing hard and didn't trust that he wouldn't return. I grabbed my jacket and my backpack and stomped out of that orchard back to the safety of the busy road. I hurried to Soline, shaken and outraged. I had been met with respect everywhere in Croatia, but that incident made me forget all the good I had encountered and underlined the fact that I was a woman walking alone. I fought hard that day to not allow one ignorant man's actions to influence my faith in the goodness of all people. By the time I arrived in Soline, I was in better spirits, but more reserved than usual. While awaiting the priest's arrival, I decided to call my family in Lebanon to see how a favorite aunt named Yola was doing. My father had told me a few days earlier that her condition had worsened. I had gotten quite close to her while visiting Lebanon in September of last year, shortly before my walk. During my stay, she suffered a seizure, which doctors diagnosed to be the result of a brain tumor. The treatments seemed to be working, but this time, when I spoke with her family, they told me that all treatments had failed and that the doctors could do no more for her than send her home. I reeled from the news and in my despair began to consider whether I should visit her. I couldn't believe I was even considering it, especially since I was so far behind Alberto. My rational mind could not convince my impetuous heart, one that beat excitedly at the idea of returning. My distress must have been evident, because the following morning, as I was saying my goodbyes to the priest who hosted me, he looked at me with concern and urged me to share whatever was bothering me. I did. There is nothing you can do for her now, he said compassionately, making the sign of the cross in the air. You are on a path of God. Think of all the good that you are doing with this walk. Your aunt is in God's hands now. Walk and be strong. My mind was appeased, but my heart was not. On that day's walk to Bishko, I pondered a single question. What is more important? The peace that I could bring to one person or this walk of peace, which is benefiting many more? I had often disagreed with Alberto when he asserted that touching the lives of people who crossed our path was an important element of our walk, a micro approach to peace, which I found limited and ineffective when compared to my macro view of creating a sign and touching the lives of many. On this journey, however, Strangers had become my greatest teachers and pupils. In our often brief time together, we exchanged a precious gift, the gift of expanded vision and deeper understanding. We then shared that expanded part of ourselves with those who later crossed our path in a chain without end. Although I had uttered the words, peace begins with me infinite times, it was only then that I began to understand them. Yes, I concluded, the peace of one person was as important as the peace of the many. I stopped to rest on some large stones that lay scattered along the side of the road. The day had turned gray and a light mist now floated past. As if in a dream, a lone sheep emerged from the mist. I looked around for other sheep or a shepherd, but saw neither. 
the shaggy sheep crept closer, following the bits of greenery that peeked out of the rocky soil, seemingly con contemplating me as much as I was contemplating it. Cars and trucks sped past on this busy road, underscoring this contrast. The sheep continued with its grazing. Then, just as strangely as it had appeared, it straggled away and disappeared into the mist. I recalled Alberto once telling me the story of Jesus being asked why he kept company with prostitutes and vagrants. Jesus had replied that if a shepherd lost even one sheep, he would leave the entire flock to find that one stray. My heart beat faster. I would leave for Lebanon as soon as possible.